television. I say, I swear they say that. Hello, everybody, and welcome to 10% of the Brain, the podcast that examines the truth behind commonly held misconceptions of science, biology, and the body. And the brain. And the brain. And the brain. Today, we are talking about the brain, because did you know you only use 10% of your brain? Scientific facts. Wah, wah, nonsense alert. <laughs> oh, really? Who's the scientist here? I'm your host. The science student. Luciano. <laughs> and with me is my co-host. Annika Victoria. Oh, hi. Oh, hello, Annika. Hi. How are you? Oh, I'm great. How are you? <laughs> what do you think of my sound effects? Science alert. Womp, womp. I think um, everyone should do that when I walk Look, into the room. I know that we have a lot of um, listeners from the USA, I'm guessing, because lots of your blog fans are from the USA. And I know that the USA, if, if I'm to believe The Simpsons, which is usually a good source, USA Talk Radio has a lot of like womp, womp sound effects and flushing sound effects. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, but before we begin... Your homework! My homework. Your homework. I have to report back That's on my right. homework from last week. <laughs> Name me some female living scientists. Keen-eared listeners will remember that last week Annika put me on the spot and asked me to name a living female scientist. All right. Now, to be honest, at the time, I could only think of one living female scientist myself, which is a pretty bad thing, being that I am trying to become a female, a living female scientist. Yeah, the living part is, you know, sort of implied. <laughs> I so, just felt like a giant jerk. I felt like a giant jerk, sexist jerk. Couldn't. But think the thing of is, I want all of our listeners to honestly, honestly say how many female living scientists they know. Okay, no, I okay, I thought about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I didn't research anybody because that's kind of like cheating. Like I could go and look up. Heaps that was of... your homework, dude. No, my homework. My homework was to think of somebody that I could think of <laughs> off right. the top of my head. All right, sure. Okay, so I thought of two. Mm-hmm. I thought of um, Jane Goodall. Yeah, yeah, Jane Goodall. Okay. Of course. Yep. Is that just because she was on The Simpsons? She wasn't on The Simpsons. She yeah. was, there was like a parody version of her on The yeah. Simpsons. She was on The Simpsons. Well, I'm not a complete idiot who just gets <laughs> all my knowledge of life from The Simpsons. I know who Jane Goodall okay, is. Okay, all right. And the other person I thought of, which is cheating, is Angela Merkel. She's the Chancellor of Germany, but before she was a politician, she was a biologist. Oh, well, I didn't know that. She has a PhD in biology. That makes her a scientist. She's a scientist. In a past life? Yeah. That's great. Yeah, well, not in a past life. She's lived one life. She's <laughs> right. alive. It's figure of speech. But I thought of that. But, I mean, she's not famous for being a scientist, mm-hmm. so that's kind of a cheat. She's famous sure. for being, you know, Chancellor of Germany. Well, to be honest, the only female scientist I could think of when we were talking last week was um, Baroness Susan Greenfield. Um, we've actually watched a TV show about her. She's a neuroscientist lady. Baroness Not Susan. about her. She hosted a TV show. Oh, it was about, about the, the brain. brain. Yeah, about mm. the brain. That was so long ago that we watched mm. that. For the BBC. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Baroness Susan Greenfield. But another two female scientists who are really important, mm-hmm. who whose work I actually have followed in the past, whose names I couldn't actually think about last yeah. time, slap on the wrist for me, yeah. um, is Elizabeth Blackburn and Carol Greider, or Greider. I'm actually not sure how to say her last name. Anyway, mm. these two are molecular biologists. So that's like the you. 
yes, like me, that's the field of science that I want to go into. Mm-hmm. And they recently won the Nobel Prize um, for their research into telomere length and um, discovering an enzyme called telomerase, which basically like explains why DNA doesn't just completely unravel. So it was really important work. Telomeres is like what makes you older, right? Your telomeres get shorter. Yeah, that's age. yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. You know a science thing. I know, I know some science things. Some of the things. science I've told you have stuck in your brain. I like go, that. That's great. completely go through one ear and out the other. <laughs> to be honest, I remember that from a TV show. <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> TV just has that way of getting in your brain. <laughs> like Jane Goodall on The Simpsons? It was not from The Simpsons <laughs> that I remember Jane Goodall. Right. She was interviewed by... I remember watching a long interview. She was either interviewed by Andrew Denton or by... Um, or by Parkinson. Parkinson. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway, okay. the thing is, I don't think that the general population knows much about living female scientists. So mm. I just wanted to basically highlight a couple of female scientists and encourage you all to look some up. I mean, it was pretty sad when I went to a I think it was your birthday party, right? Mm-hmm. I dressed up as Rosalind Franklin. I was like, this is such a good. So the theme of the party was um it was a it was like people from history. People from history. Basically, kind of. it had to be somebody dead and famous. Dead and famous. And I dressed up as Rosalind Franklin. And I was wearing this awesome 50s dress with a lab coat. And I mm. thought it was such a good outfit. Nobody knew who I was. The best guess was Marie Curie, of course. Yeah. And I was like, no, I'm Rosalind Franklin. And I just got, oh, yeah, blank looks. Yeah. Nobody knew who she was. So I was pretty sad because I'm pretty sure she's actually like the second most famous female scientist of all time mm. who, who ended up winning who ended up having the best costume i think it was the person who dressed up as amelia Earhart. what no i thought it was frank zappa the person who dressed up as frank zappa <laughs> that's irrelevant i was che Guevara. <laughs> famous scientist che Guevara was a doctor it's kind of like scientist i mean he was he's not famous for being a doctor he's also a man <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> Well, <laughs> all right. Okay. Uh, and my favorite female scientist of all mm-hmm. time also doesn't count. I, I, just I know to, this. Can I just talk I know about her? Person, but she's you can so talk, cool. Yeah, Please let me about talk her. about her. Okay. She actually just passed away oh, about two years ago now. Um, her name was Rita Levi Montlacini. Am I saying that right? You, you're Italian, Luciano. Let, let me see how it's spelled. Yeah, Montlacini. 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 Oh, no, Montacini. There's no L there. Montacini. Montacini. It's because in Italian, C is with okay. nothing so else. So, Rita Levi Montlacini. Yeah. So, she oh, she was just, she's basically my idol. She was this amazing, badass, fiery neuroscientist. Um, she passed away at the age of 103, and up until the day of what? her death. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Up until the day of her death, she was just this perfectly styled, manicured hair up or like in this amazing, what is it, coif? Coif? Her hair quiff? up. I don't know. Quiff? Her hair just up in an amazing. Cool hair. Cool hair. Yeah. Um, and she was also like an amazing science communicator and um, someone who really um, tried to help women in science all throughout her life. So basically her life story. So she was born in Italy and she pursued a career in science at university, um, which was a pretty big thing for a woman in the 1930s to mm. do. And her father was totally against it, but she did it anyway. So not Especially only- in Italy in the 1930s. Mm, well, wow, wow. well um, she actually had to go into hiding when Mussolini came into power because mm. she was Jewish and she was thrown out of her oh, university. 
Um, but she didn't stop studying science. Um, mm. To continue, she built her own secret research laboratory. Oh my god, it's like Marvel. <laughs> it's like a Marvel comic. And um, then in 1986, she won the Nobel Prize for discovering something which was called nerve growth factor, um, which really advanced our understanding of how neurons work in the brain. Whoa. Yeah. And then, um, you know, she was 77 at this point in her life um, when she won the Nobel Prize, but she just did not stop. Um, She founded the European Brain Research Institute in Rome, um, which was a foundation encouraging the education of young women in Africa. Wow. So that's a pretty cool thing. And she just gave lectures and spoke out about promoting equality for women in science, like, up until she died, pretty much. So she is just my hero. She sounds like... Shout out to Rita. Pretty much pretty much the coolest. Yeah. She sounds like a character from the Marvel Universe. I don't mean to diminish her real-life achievements by saying that. That's a high compliment from me. It is. You love Marvel. You <laughs> I love, love superheroes. I'm, I'm not saying I don't like DC. I'm not putting that out there, but... I, you know, I like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Anyway, <laughs> back to the important thing that you were talking about. <laughs> no, that's pretty Well, that's that was your homework, cool. and that was me just rambling on about my hero. Building the secret lab, which is hidden from the fascists in the basement of her house, that is it's pretty... Pretty friggin' badass. That's pretty huh? badass. <laughs> okay, speaking of badass, a lot of you, according to box office information, probably saw the movie Lucy. <laughs> I'm making a face no. right now. Not you Annika and not me. I think if I'd seen it, Annika would have strung me up. She, she was so annoyed. The namesake of our podcast, as you know, this podcast is called 10% of the Brain. And that is based on the common misunderstanding that we only, we humans only use 10% of our brain. And that myth was perpetuated by this movie. By Lucy. This Thank movie, you. Lucy. I should clarify. So the, it's directed by Luke Besson, who's actually a pretty good director. He directed Fifth Element. Fifth Element was great. Which we both love. Mm. But, and he has acknowledged, he doesn't think this is real. Yeah. He doesn't think that this 10% of the brand sure. thing is real. Like, he acknowledges that it's, you know, a myth. But it's kind of, the movie is just, I haven't seen it. I have heard. I haven't it. seen it either. So on I don't Skeptics know if we can with really a K, they did like a long it. thing where they sort of tore it apart and talked about how scientifically nonsense it was i mean i don't really have a problem with science fiction being no sure like you can have a fantasy universe and yeah oh just you know the movie posters like the whole idea of the movie posters was you only use 10 percent of your brain but she unlocked her full potential yeah and i just i actually wanted to go tear down everyone it's just (laughs) it's very new age it's very Mm. kind of like anyway anyway so this this myth, you only use 10% of your brain. Let's talk about that. Number one, which is the thing I'm most interested to know. Where does this come from? Like, Where does it come from? What is actually the original first instance of somebody saying, people, you only use 10% of your brain? So, no one's exactly sure where the myth comes from. There's a few mm. ideas about this. It's like various different sources. So it could be a misquoting of Albert Einstein. Okay. Um, it could possibly misinterpretation of the work of Pierre Flourens in the 1800s or a misinterpretation of the work of Carl Lashley. So he was a psychologist, neuroscientist in the 1920s and 30s. And yeah. he, what he did was he removed large areas of the cerebral cortex in rats and then he found that the rats could still relearn specific tasks. Okay. So he was like, oh, you know, this part of the brain mightn't be important. But then, you know, we now know that removing even tiny parts of the human brain can be seriously 
detrimental to human behavior and it's not like you can just go up to a rat and be like hey how you feeling rat like Sure, they you could can, be You can some. say that to a rat. <laughs> but they're just, probably not going to respond. You just look like a cool kind of person who's into rats. Like, so hey, how you doing, rat? <laughs> <laughs> so the, the three sources that this could possibly come, come, Hang come on, from. Hang on, another source. We've got another okay, source. Okay, We've got yeah. a few others, actually. So William James in yeah. 1908 wrote yeah. in um, The Energies of Men on page 12, yeah. um, we are making use of only a small part of our possible mental and physical resources. Well, that's so, pretty bloody vague. <laughs> that it's been quoted as a possible reason for people believing that okay. we only use ten percent of our brain. Psychology Today actually had um, a good idea of where um, the myth came from. Mm. Um, so there was a um, a really good scientist physician called um, Wilder Penfield um, who actually that's pioneered. A cool name. It is a cool name. Wilder Penfield. Wilder Penfield. Um, he was a doctor in like the early to mid 1900s mm-hmm. and he was actually a pioneer in the treatment of epilepsy. Okay. So he um, would actually go into the brain and destroy particular regions of the brain that were creating like bad seizures for these people. Ah, okay. But what he did in his technique, um, he actually came up with a technique that neurosurgeons still use today like when they're trying to remove tumors and stuff to make Mm. sure they're not removing critical areas of the brain so penfield oh he's doing it while you're awake yeah 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 where he opens up the brain and he like uses electrodes to stimulate different areas of the brain yeah so you know you're not getting rid of anything important yeah and so um he would um use that to be like okay we buzzing this part of the brain oh like your vision's gone we won't take out that part of the brain yeah, okay. <laughs> let's keep that in there yep. <laughs> and um penfield actually was important um important in um discovering like um have you seen that model called the homunculus it's like that creepy figure with giant lips and giant hands and giant feet oh, yes. it's actually a representation of the map of oh, the brain it is i've seen that and it's like how your body parts are mapped onto your brain onto yeah. your brain so he actually discovered um he was helpful in discovering the uh, and the, yeah. the homunculus so how and there's the- all that cool stuff about how like you know it can get because the part of your brain what is it like the part of your brain which is mapped to your hands is right next to the part that's mapped to your face yeah so with some people you can touch certain parts of their face and they'll like if there's something slightly wrong then they'll actually feel it on mm-hmm. their yeah, hands yeah. and yeah. it's also a reason for like phantom limb syndrome anyway if you haven't seen the homunculus before go google that it is freaky and awesome um anyway so penfield did this stimulation mm. um of areas of the brain and he kind of did a lot of research while he was doing this and um he noted that he would get a response like from the patient so he would either activate or disrupt a perceptual or a motor event in 10 percent of the areas that he touched okay. um so but it's a pretty crude measure like just like yeah Zapping an area and being like, okay, have you forgotten your pin code? Do you remember your parents' names? <laughs> also, there's so much of our brain processes which are automatic. They're not perceptual yeah. as well. And obviously he was only mapping like the kind of outermost regions of the brain as well. Yeah, he wasn't like shoveling wasn't in down behind right your So little... that's another reason um, that Psychology Today thinks that... Mm, um, okay. I'll put the link up on our podcast website. So it's there's a, a lot of different... But the, you know, the thing that concerns me about all these different origins is that none of them come from earlier than 
1940. You mean later than 1940? Later than 19... None of them come from later than 1940. And I think that our methods, our scientific methods have gotten a little bit better. I've gotten a little better. Yeah, Yeah, 1940 was the television around then. Yeah, no. No. I like that that's your... That's your basically metric for when science got good, though. <laughs> the television. The television. <laughs> so you, you didn't even watch that much television. Okay, so that's where the myth comes from. Why is it... If it comes from something so long ago, relatively, yeah. why won't it die? Why does everyone think this? Like, we were given... Because people know that this is the title of our podcast. Some friends gave us something that a Scientologist had handed them when they were walking down the street. And it was like... It said, actually had a picture of Albert Einstein. And it said, like... Albert Einstein recommended that you only use ten percent of your brain. So he recommended. Oh, or something. Not he recommended. <laughs> Please, only use ten percent. Don't bother with the rest. No, he said that you only use. And then 10% I'll be a brain. genius. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and it was like you know, therefore, join the Church of Scientology. Yeah, I didn't. Therefore, quite... diametrics is a thing. Isn't it called Dianetics? Dianetics. Dianetrics. Yeah. Dianetrics. Let's, oh, let's make our own one. It's like the <laughs> no, knockoff brand. Dianetics. <laughs> Dianetrics. Aldi version. Yeah. Okay, so why won't it die? Why won't it go away? Well, one of the reasons is it keeps being repeated and repeated and repeated on the internet, that great big source of Mm -hmm. factually accurate information. Yep, Um, not quite. (laughs) And in popular culture in movies like Lucy. Mm. Mm. (laughs) You're really going to sing for this movie. (laughs) Maybe I should see it first. Yeah, you so have it in for this movie. Judging a book by its cover a little bit. The other one you're so against is Interstellar. We haven't seen that either. No. I'm just a bit, I'm just a bit over Matthew McConaughey, to be honest. Mm. He's in everything. Mm. Everyone loves him so much. (laughs) Matthew McConaughey. He's having his Matthew McConaughey. That's the term (laughs) that I heard. Now that he's come back and everyone loves him again. But um, another reason this myth won't die is possibly people's own desires to explain their shortcomings in a kind of easy mm. but scientific sounding way. Yeah. Being like, well, yeah, I stuffed up there, but, you know, I only use 10% of my brain. Maybe yeah. I, u- maybe you use 11% and that's why you don't, yep. you know, that's why you're successful and that's I'm That's why not. you're so much better at basketball. I <laughs> the, the basketball bit in me is untapped. <laughs> For example, neither of us can play basketball. I might be able to. I might be all right there. I yeah. tried. If you unlock that part of your brain. I could unlock that part. <laughs> and, no, this is a myth. This is a myth. But um, another reason I think that the myth um, still sticks around is because of basically people who might be into a bit of more magical thinking, belief mm. in the supernatural and psychics. Yeah, kind of woo, mm. new agey. People like psychics um, because, you know, if they tell you, you know, you only use 10% of your brain, then imagine how much untapped potential there is. We could possibly use telekinesis and move objects with our mind if only we could unlock the other 100% of the brain. Like, for example, you know Yuri Geller? Oh, the fraud spoon-bending man. Well, you know, the spoon-bending man. Come on. Like, I (laughs) think that it's pretty well established that Yuri Geller is a fraud. We're talking about, like, the... 60s? <laughs> 70s? Come on. <laughs> so people like Yuri Geller yeah. would use the idea that, like, even this is a quote from his um, Mind mm. Power book. Who, he, his book he is says, called Mind Power? Yes. Mind Power book. It's called Yuri Geller's Mind Power book. Oh, don't call your book book. <laughs> <laughs> Rookie mistake. Don't put the word book in your book title. Anyway, he yeah. says, our minds are capable of remarkable, incredible feats, yet we don't use them to our full 
to their full capacity. Mm. In fact, most of us only use 10% of our brain, if that. The other 90% is full of untapped potential and undiscovered abilities, yada, yada, yada. So I like the idea that 10% of our brain is everything we do on a day-to-day basis, mm -hmm. and the other 90% is all the psychic stuff. Yeah, yeah. So actually our brain is 10% normal stuff, 90% psychic ability. Well, you know, being able to tap into the subconscious. Come on, Yuri. Don't say it's remarkable and incredible. That's pretty (laughs) awkward writing. I feel like we're really having a go at him here, but pretty unreasonable stuff. Sorry. Poor old Yuri (laughs) Gale. He could Um, bend those spoons. So, yeah, basically, they're some of the reasons that the myth just kind of won't die. It's, you know, it's kind of a cool fact to repeat. And Mm. if you hear it, factoid. Factoid. Not a real fact, as we've discussed. Yep. (laughs) Um, But there is the idea that I guess. um, a lot of people who repeat this myth then go, oh, no, I don't mean you only use 10% of your brain. I mean, you only use 10% of your brain at any one time. Yeah. See, this is what I thought. This is what Luke Besson said. Who's Luke Besson? Oh. Um, hello. We were just talking Lucy. about the director of Lucy. I, you know that I don't She's remember someone. people's names. Yeah. Okay. Luke Besson was saying in this interview, I think they were interviewing him for like the Guardian film show or something. And he was like, you know what? what the thing that might it might be is that we only use 10% at any one time or something like that. But that's like, such a vague kind of like, that kind of supposed fact, air quotes, mm. like how would we have measured that anyway, that we're only using 10% of any one time? Like we don't have, like you can't like, measure this exactly. You there's can't electrical up, signals that go around your brain. Sure, right? but you can't hook up every single neuron in the brain to mm. in a machine that's measuring electric potentials and saying whether or not it's firing and then point to it and be like, oh, look, only one in 10 neurons are firing. Yeah, we're getting back into but Marvel the actual, territory like, now. The fact is that even if neurons aren't firing at a particular time, they're still receiving signals from other neurons and you're pretty much using 100% of your brain at any given time. Okay. So, like, obviously you're not, like, you know, just, like, how you don't use all your muscles all at once. You don't use all your brain all at once, like, all your neurons firing. That is, like, a massive seizure yeah. if that happens. Um, but, you know, in a short amount of time, you're using pretty much 100% of your brain, even, like, with really simple tasks, like walking or talking. Wow. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like when I'm talking, I'm definitely not using 100% definitely- of my brain. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> oh, you. Oh, you. Yeah. You're very intelligent. Mm. <laughs> I'm intelligent about some things, not the things that are on this podcast, sadly. Hey, you knew about this one, though. I did. You I did. did. But only because we've discussed it before. <laughs> but, no, um, I, don't, I don't think I ever thought this was true. Anyway. But, yeah. Uh, the, the whole of the brain is used pretty much within a 24-hour period. You're yeah. going to be guaranteed that 100% of your brain has been used. Wrong again, Luke Besson. <sighs> Maybe just make the fifth element, too. <laughs> yeah. Sixth element. Yeah. Oh, it writes itself. I mean, those people are all still around. Bruce Willis, Mila mm. Jovovich. Mm. Okay, so though, but I'm going to put the screws on you here. How do we know that Yuri Geller isn't right? Like, if the brain is so difficult to understand and we can't, you know, measure it easily and whatever, then how do we know we're not only using 10%? Like, how do we, how do we know that we're using it all? All right. Well, I guess the easiest evidence to refute this mm. is look at brain damage. So, if you damage the brain, yeah. even just a small amount, yeah. you generally see some sort of either physiological or behavioral effect. Okay. You really can't, like, strokes or small brain damage yeah. is going to, you know... Usually have, still makes a 
impact pretty on big your impact life. on your life yeah and so if 90% of the brain wasn't being used obviously brain things like brain damage and stuff wouldn't really be a big deal mm. um so like have you ever heard of Phineas Gage mm, he was a no. guy another good name though Phineas, Phineas Gage, Gage. <laughs> mm. he was um he lived in the 1800s yeah and he was a he worked on railroads and okay. he got um there was a bad work I accident like maybe i have heard of this mm. okay so he had a bad accident where a large iron rod was driven completely through his head through his eye socket and destroyed oh, like pretty much God. all of his brain's left frontal lobe mm. but he survived whoa yeah so he had a pretty. He was pretty disfigured the rest of his life. Jeez, Louise, get the was, union you know, onto that one. Health and safety <laughs> nightmare. <laughs> he got a good compensation deal. Probably not in the eighteen hundreds. I don't think so. Yeah. So it was. Yeah, it was a railway spike. Went right through his eye, through An his iron brain. Rod, yeah. Jesus. It went all the way through his brain, and it took out a large portion of his brain. But yeah. he lived, right? Yeah. But um, and this is what his family reported and his friends. He was just completely different person afterwards his behavior was quite erratic and he was quite rude um he was just not the same person like they were just like this isn't gage this isn't good old phineas gage that we knew yeah so well we've seen some amazing documentaries where people have you know some people will have a stroke and it will just get rid of one incredibly specific mm. part of their you know part of their previous personality or like there's such a common thing where it's always reported in the news somebody has a stroke and they woke and they wake up and they're speaking another language and they're a language that they never learnt before they never knew well i think i remember someone telling me that actually that's just because often when people have a stroke they wake up speaking in a very strange way mm. and Is people it an actual think language? And people think I that think they're that speaking another language. that might be one language. we need to explore on this podcast. Yeah, we should look into that. Some, yes, we but should. But there's some pretty, there's some pretty incredible mm. and strange. But you know, if ninety percent of your brain wasn't doing anything, things like strokes and brain injury would not be yeah. a problem. Ninety percent of the time, they would do nothing. Ninety percent of the time, would be fine. Like yeah. whatever, we could just lop out. No- like you, things like lobotomies. Mm. People used to have lobotomies. Yeah. That would um, change a person's personality quite significantly. Make yeah. them very sedated. Yeah. Um, have you also heard of HM? H- Again, I think, yes, I've heard of Probably HM. from me. Probably from when I was doing. So if you've studied psychology, if you've done psychology 101 at all, yeah. you will know all about HM. So HM, um, he, that was the kind of scientific name. Um, when he was still alive, they weren't allowed to release his name. Yeah. He, he's dead now, but... um. He was called, his name is actually Henry Meliason. And so what happened to him was that he had really seriously bad epilepsy from a bicycle accident that he had as a child. Mm. And he suffered really bad seizures all through his teens. And um, when he was in his late teens, um, he was basically like having just constant seizures. It was not a good quality of life. So basically his doctor was like, right, we're going to remove this part of your brain and this part of your brain and see if the seizures stopped. So what the doctor did was he had um, HM's entire hippocampus and part of his amygdala removed. So there are specific regions of the brain that we now know are associated with memory, but mainly because of work done with HM. So he stopped having seizures. So from that point of view, the... Yep. Um, it was a success, And that right? was the end of the story and uh, everything was fine. No. Um, what happened was he was no longer able to form any long-term memories. Oh, no. So basically he 
he remembered everything up until I think a couple of years before his surgery. Yeah. And that was it. Like for the rest of his life, he lived to about 80 something. He thought he was, you know, a young, late teens or 20 something year old man. He was and stuck. Didn't back he get in... a horrific shock every time he looked in the mirror? Like, yeah, I don't know what happened there. How did he even get to live to that long? But he long could just never that? form long term memories. And like the hippocampus is a really small part of the brain, right? Mm. And so they just removed this really tiny bit of the brain and. You know, suddenly Bland. he memories gone. Memories like he just could not form long term memories anymore. An interesting thing was, so he was basically like he just became a science lab rat. It's kind of sad. Basically, he was just studied like extensively for the rest of his life. But you know, people asked him often, like, "Are you happy?" Mm. He's like, "Yeah, I'm happy." It's kind of like, "But are you like you?" Well, he was happy apparently. Yeah, I guess he never. He, he never had to remember any of life's disappointments. Mm. You know, he didn't know that Lost became terrible. He could just watch the first season <laughs> over and over again. And it would always be new to him. <laughs> this is I pretty, this is a pretty crude joke, really. <laughs> <laughs> Poor yeah. dude. I'm not really, I'm not going to continue with the joke. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty dark. Well, I'm meant to be the joke guy. How am I supposed to make this funny? This is horrific. <laughs> Well, look, he actually, he provided, while it was an awful thing, like, mm. he couldn't have continued with the quality of life that he had. He was having seizures all the time. Like, he would have died from that mm. pretty early. So, you know. Yeah, pick your and poison, he, really. And he also provided science and psychology with just so much amazing information about how memories are formed. Mm. Um, so the thing that was really interesting with HM was that while he couldn't form any long-term, like, explicit memories, so, like, he couldn't tell you, like if he'd just met you in a room or something, mm. he could remember, like, he could learn motor skills. He wouldn't oh. remember learning them, but he would learn them over... So, like, they would So, like, if thing. he learned to ride a bike... Ride a bike. He could just He wouldn't remember learning it, mm. but he could remember how to do it. He wouldn't know that he could it. ride a bike, but you put him on a bike and he'd be able to ride it. They would do this yeah. thing where they would get him to draw, like, particular shapes in a mirror mm. um, or something like that. Something that's just, you know, a motor skill. Yeah. And... While he would say each time, no, I don't, I've never drawn this before, he would be better and better each time. Wow. So there was some subconscious kind of... Well, it's not exactly subconscious. It's kind of the... He gave to us kind of the definition between explicit and implicit memories. Uh, I guess you could say implicit memories are kind of subconscious. They're something we don't consciously know. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, I don't remember learning how to walk. Yeah. But I can do it. You can walk. And yeah. you don't remember, you know, the art, like where you were when you learnt all the words that you know now. Like you don't remember where you were when you learnt the word for table mm. or for chair. Well, but it's, you know it's kind of strange because, like, you know, I also speak some Japanese and some Italian, and I do remember sometimes when I use some, particularly like with Italian. Sometimes when I use some Italian word, I'll actually remember the first instance where. I, you know, some relative told me that word. Mm. Like, you know, it, like, uh, I can't think of an example, but it's very different to when I, it's a different experience to me than to speaking English for that reason. Yeah, yeah sure. That's really interesting. Yeah, so thanks, HM. Yeah. Anyway, that's another good piece of evidence to refute the idea that you only yeah. use 10% of your brain. Otherwise, because, you old know, HM, he HM would have been, been totally fine. Yeah. All they cut out was the psychic bit, and he wasn't using that anyway. The psychic bit that was giving him seizures. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's why Yuri Geller is so amazing. I guess they could have possibly cut out part of the 10% you do use. Maybe. Yeah. All right, so I'll give you some more evidence then. Okay. So um, 
the idea that we only have that we only use 10% of our brain and that the other 90% is useless just makes absolutely no sense from an evolutionary point of view. Mm. So like childbirth is notoriously extremely painful and difficult because of our giant heads. Because we have giant heads. We have ridiculously sized heads. Like in in comparison to other animals. In comparison to other animals. Um, And there would be no point to have such a big brain and useless brain in there. Yeah. So like basically from a process of natural selection, we would lose the yeah. 90% of brain we don't use because the children with the smaller heads who are dying less in childbirth because... Yeah. I mean, we don't have tails anymore, do yeah. we? Because no. we weren't really using them. <laughs> That's how... Well, anyway, we can talk about evolution in another episode. <laughs> you know, in a crude way. We don't have any limbs we don't use, do we? So why would we be born with why a bunch of brain limbs? Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Okay, that is actually another thing that the 10% of the brain thing is linked to. Like, oh, we have an appendix. Really? Maybe so that's we have something, a psychic appendix. That's something they say. Yeah. Like, not that we have a psychic appendix, but like <laughs> that we've got an appendix and we don't use that. So. Yeah. But are they saying that we can unlock the potential of our appendix? <laughs> no, I don't think so. That we can eat a bunch of that's grass and have it... <laughs> I wonder if that's a thing. Yeah, but they never take the argument that far, do they? They don't say, unlock the potential of the rest of your brain and your appendix. And, yeah. <laughs> Eat a bunch of leaves off trees. Force that appendix to do some bloody work. Become a cow. Go back to nature. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. So another thing is that the brain, while it's only like 3% of our body mass, mm. it uses up like 30% of our glucose intake. Like we have to, the reason we have to eat so much sugar and we're so reliant on glucose and we get low blood sugar and all of that is yeah. because the brain is so glucose hungry. Um, if we, if you know, 90% of it was just not doing anything, was mm. just lumpy bits of mush, mush, yeah. <laughs> lumpy lumpy bits of mush in our skulls then it wouldn't like, be using all that sugar well also it would just make no evolutionary sense for it to use so much sugar yeah if it was being fed and kept alive yeah well yuri geller for the, if that's true then yuri geller probably has to eat like 10 times the amount of stuff that everyone else does <laughs> before he does a show of spoon bending show he has to sit down and eat like stack of pancakes bacon roast turkey Five sandwiches. It takes a lot of energy to use your full brain potential. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised he's so skinny. <laughs> Was he? Actually, I'm not surprised because like... it's all getting used up by his giant psychic brain. <laughs> We're being very cruel to Yuri Geller this episode. <laughs> okay, so one more bit of evidence for you, mm-hmm. just in case you weren't convinced. Yeah. Is the scientific evidence. Yeah. So we that, have... Hold on. All that evidence wasn't scientific well, evidence? Well, you know, the kind of evolutionary thing, it's a little bit whiffy woffy kind of just conjecture right being Mm. like oh we wouldn't have evolved such big heads okay so this is the hard stuff so this is the hard stuff so um we've got um pet scans and we've got fmris fmris functional mris yeah which are able to basically show what is a pet scan i assume that's not a scan positron electronic top Topography. Oh man, I've forgotten what it stands for. <laughs> it's a way of looking into the brain in like different slices and seeing what's active. Okay. I actually think it uses glucose, radioactively labeled glucose, um, mm-hmm. which is taken up by your brain. And so um, it's something, something to do with electrons okay. is used by the scanner to interact with that yeah. possibly. Oh gosh. <laughs> anyway. 
Anyway, Look, we're you're, able to you're see. a molecular biologist, not an engineer. <laughs> Thank you. That's fairly obvious. Anyway, you're basically, I think with the PET scan, you're able to see yeah. what part of the brain is using glucose. And then there's also um, functional MRIs, which is um, detects changes in blood flow to particular areas of the brain, mm-hmm. which um, shows, you know, what areas of the brain are being used at yeah, any you particular hear about those point. all the time mm-hmm. so yeah they're basically those images that you see where the brain is all lit up in different areas that yeah. show that activity is happening in that area they're constantly using that on like tv shows and stuff that like we took five people who were watching you know a disney movie and this mri <laughs> shows that the nostalgia section of their brain was lit up like fireworks like <laughs> so um yeah we've got that scientific evidence yeah. um that shows that Basically, even with simple tasks, your whole brain is being used, is undergoing rapid metabolism. And mm. so basically, they show that if we were only using 10% of the brain, you know, only like 10% of the areas of the brain would lit, would light up. And Right, of course. When you did an MRI, there yeah. would just be one little tenth that was yeah. always lighting up for everything. Yeah. Unless you were Yuri Geller and you were bending yeah, sure. a spoon. Yeah. So there's that. Okay, so thank you so much, everybody. Um. Actually, remember that if you... Well, first of all, how can people reach you, Annika? They can reach me through tweeting me at, at littlepinetree3, mm-hmm. through my blog, The Pine Needle Collective. I also got a YouTube channel, Annika Victoria, look me up. Yep. And if you want to leave a comment on our podcast, um, we actually have a website, 10percentofthebrain.wordpress.com. Or you can leave a review on iTunes. Oh, and- leave a review on iTunes. Yes, please. We That'd want everyone to leave reviews because until we get a certain, until we get over a certain threshold of reviews, we can't look at the reviews. Yeah, we don't know what anyone said. We, we, don't know what we anyone might thinks. have enough by the time we put this up. Maybe. To see them, hopefully. Mm. If you guys are leaving those reviews. And also, we would also love suggestions. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. For future podcast episodes, if you have any kind of received wisdom or you've heard a scientific fact that mm. you think, oh, is this maybe not so fun? <laughs> you have that exact reaction yeah. too then um yeah leave it for us and we'll discuss it on a future podcast exciting and if you want to contact me you'll just have to find me out there in the wide world i mean don't don't look for me don't look me up that's creepy but like <laughs> if you see me on the street and you recognize my voice say hi yeah you can ask you can ask me but ask i won't know because no. that's kind of the whole premise that's, of the podcast the idea. he doesn't know yeah he's i'm the science one yeah I'm the one who knows about Angela Merkel. <laughs> he knows a lot about politics. If you have a question about politics, feel free to ask him. Yep. Oh, my God. Maybe you should do your own political podcast. Uh, That'd be a hit. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sure people like politics out there. I'm sorry I'm always so derisive about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thank you so much, everybody. Yep. Thank Re- you. Leave those reviews. Send us requests for new episodes. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.